to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. My message this morning, um, how does the gospel transform uh, our lives. Uh, do you know Timothy Keller passed away? Uh? Or you all know? Uh? Yeah, I, I was so shocked. I ran to the room and I, 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 I told my wife, my wife thought what happened. You know? So uh, Timothy Keller passed away on the 19th of May, 2023, okay, uh, at the age of 73 from pancreatic cancer. Okay? So if you don't know who he is, uh, he's one of the top uh, writers that have impacted my ministry, uh, impacted my life. Okay, so... Um, Basically, he uh, in, impacted my understanding of the gospel. Okay, my understanding of the gospel. So he's, uh, he's a reform, he's Calvinist. So I don't really believe that side. He, uh, in the, in the, in the Holy Spirit as well. But his understanding of the gospel has greatly helped me and greatly impacted my life. So I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. I've been a pastor for more than 20 years. But it's only in the last 10 years that I fully appreciated the gospel. Okay, so you can be a Christian and yet not fully appreciate the gospel. So I just want to share with you some of his, uh, uh, three of his most impactful quotes uh, to me uh, regarding the gospel that uh, I'm going to also unpack and uh, show us how it affects our daily lives. All right? So one of his uh, favorite quotes is this. Uh, my favorite quote is this. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hope. So therein lies uh, uh, the, the gospel where at the same time we recognize our sin, our wretchedness, and the law that requires of us. But the gospel at the same time shows us the love of Christ, that He, he, he left the 99 for the one. So we, we need both. Okay, we need both for the humility to know that hey, we, we are not here because we made it on our own. It's because of the love of God. Yet there is no inferiority because Jesus for us. Alright, so this is the gospel, both sinful yet love at the same time. Second quote that I love uh, is, is, is this. He says, religion says I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Christianity says I'm accepted, therefore I obey. A powerful, powerful difference because many of my Christian life, I live my Christian life in trying to obey and please God. Hoping that if I do more, He will accept me and love me more. Okay, so I, I was very works-centric. So I, uh, even though I believe the gospel, but at the back of my brain, I'm thinking, uh, today I never do quiet time. Maybe God is not so happy. Or today I never share Christ. I never win a soul. I never uh, uh, do, do my ministry well. Maybe God is not so happy. So every, uh, it was very tiring because uh, it was a works-centric Christianity. But when I discovered the gospel is that we are, accepted unconditionally through the love of Christ and through that love is an outflow of our obedience and our good works, all right? It was revolutionary for me. It set me free to live my life, my Christian life, with great freedom, okay, without uh, the baggage and the burdens that I used to carry. And the last quote that I love uh, is this quote. It says, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of Christianity, so many times we think gospel is at the gospel rally where the evangelist 
preach the gospel and people come to know Christ. We thought that the gospel is only useful for non-Christians to come to know Christ. But actually, if you know the gospel, the gospel actually transforms every aspect of your life. The grace of the gospel, the love of the gospel, uh, the righteousness of the gospel actually transform not just when you are saved, but every aspect of your life. So we're going to unpack that today, how the gospel actually uh, affects every area of your life, uh, especially in the area of work. Okay, uh, not just uh, ministry, but our work is greatly affected through how we see the gospel. So in other words, the gospel is this, uh, how we are saved by grace alone, okay, by grace alone, through faith alone, okay, in Christ alone, because of the work of the cross alone, and because of that, we obey. Therefore, we obey, therefore, we do good work. So the sequence is important. Uh, because we're not doing all this to be saved. We are already saved, accepted. And let the love of God overflow in our hearts. So that is the essence of the gospel. That is how the gospel changed our lives. So the, uh, this is my fourth uh, sermon on uh, the sermon series on work. All right, so it will be my last sermon. Unless you have other topics uh, regarding work that you want me to cover, you can uh, you know, email me, text me. Uh, I may do a fifth one, all right? So this is my fourth one. Um, before we end this series. Uh, so the big idea for us this morning uh, is this. Okay, the gospel transform how I do my work. So that's the big idea, very simple. The gospel transform how I do my work. Okay, so um, first transformation is this. Okay, something wrong with my clicker. Okay, first transformation is when the work, uh, when the gospel transforms your work, uh, your job, your work is not just a job but a calling. All right. So how many of you uh, feel that your work is a calling? Raise your hands. Uh, about eight hands. Wow, that's great. What, what's happening to the rest? Okay, the rest, uh, uh, we 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 we'll see their their work as a job, right? A job. Or a career. What's the difference between job, career, and calling? Is there any difference? Not? Is there a difference? Or the same? There is a difference, right? Uh, oh, my clicker commits suicide. Okay. Okay, uh, the, the, the most basic level is what you call a job. A job means what? It's just a task. Ah. You have to do it because you need to pay the bills. You need to make money, make ends meet. That's a job. Lah. Okay, so you just get it done. You may not enjoy it. Okay, I just have to do it. Second category, uh, of course, career you pay bills as well, but career basically talk about uh, utilizing what you, you are good at or what you're passionate about, okay? Uh, and it brings about personal development, fulfillment, and progress and advancement. Okay, some of us may have uh, a career in uh, engineering, then maybe later you switch to career in, uh, I don't know, mid-career, social work, you know? Okay, so career is longer. Okay, it's like uh, you are building like a corporate ladder. Okay, so career is actually from the word called career. Okay, Latin word, which is the road. So it's like uh, you're on a road to somewhere. Career, all right? So career may change. Some people have mid-career change. Okay, it's possible. Um, then the last category uh, is that your work is not just a job, not just a career. It is a calling. Okay, you see it as a calling because it is aligned with your values and your purpose uh, to make a difference in the world, okay? 
you feel that your, your work is making a difference, it is aligned with your purpose and your values, okay, what you, you, you believe, your convictions, okay, and what, what is on your burden, the burden in your heart, the area, the passion, the group that you're trying to reach, all right? So, uh, sometimes, you know, here people, uh, teacher or doctor, they may say, I, I feel caught, okay, to do this, but seldom I hear bankers say they feel caught, lah. Huh? Correct, lah. Got, got, got bankers say, oh, I feel caught to banker him, lah. Must ask Teresa, okay? Okay, so, uh, uh, and then some people feel that calling is only for pastors. Correct? Not? Some people, oh, calling, so, so spiritual. Then no Christian also say calling, uh, but actually calling means what? God must be someone to call. Uh. If you don't believe in God, who is calling, I don't know. Uh. But they still is calling. Uh. Okay, so sometimes calling is, uh, people feel it's only for a spiritual job like pastor. Okay, and um, actually it arises from uh, this Catholic view. Okay, the Catholic view uh, in the 5th to the 15th century, the medieval period. So the Catholic actually uh, propagated this view. So uh, in, in their teachings, they say that only clergy, okay, clergy uh, is considered called by God. Any other vocation uh, is just a job. Okay, so that, that was a clergy and laity divide, okay, that was propagated then. And in the 16th century, where Martin Luther broke off, from the Catholic Church in the Reformation, the rise of uh, pan, uh, Protestant, Protestantism, that's where he began to uh, uh, do what I call the priesthood of all believers, that we are all priests, we are all the same. Uh, he, he said this, he says, the works of monks and priests, however holy and uh, arduous they may be, do not differ one bit in the sight of God, from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household tasks. Wow, amen to all the homemakers. Okay? And all works are measured before God by faith alone. Okay? So even a homemaker is, is a calling. Okay? There's no difference. As long as you do it unto God, do it by faith, uh, Martin Luther says, hey, that's calling. All right? Um, and then John Calvin is also part of the Reformation. He says this, we know that people were created for the express purpose of being employed in labor of various kinds and that no sacrifice is more pleasing to God than when every person applies diligently to his or her calling okay, and endeavors to live in such a manner as to contribute to the general advantage. I mean, society, the common good. All right? So as long as you're doing that, you are applying your own calling. Okay, so any job can be a calling, you know, uh, as long as you do it unto God, as long as you know what you're doing, what is it, you're making a difference, why your work is important, it can become a calling. So, uh, the reason why there were very few people putting up their hands because our perspective actually affects how we view our work. Our perspective uh, affects how we view our work and do our work. So, in 1966, there was this big fire Okay, big fire in London. Okay, and uh, this big fire actually destroyed the uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. Okay, destroyed St. Paul's Cathedral. And Christopher Wren. Christopher Wren was uh, a, a very famous architect. He was called to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. So as he was walking around, he saw three builders. Okay, uh, working on the, the, the rebuilding. 
So he went to the first uh, builder, you know, and uh, he saw the first builder and he asked the first builder, hey, what are you doing? Because he was squatting down and the, the builder said, I'm a bricklayer. I'm working hard laying bricks to feed my family. Okay, so that was his answer. Then he went to the second uh, person. The second person uh, says this. He asked, what are you doing? He says, I'm a builder. I'm building a wall and a building. So that was his answer. And then he went to the third uh, brick layer and says, what are you doing? So this guy, you know, uh, he, he, he's, he's the fastest, he's doing the fastest uh, and he um, seems to be in charge. He says, I'm a cathedral builder. I'm building a great cathedral to the Almighty. Wow, can you see the difference? Three persons doing the same work, but having very different perspective. So the, to the first person, it's just a job. Okay, he needs it because he needs to feed his family. He don't really care how it turns out. Okay, he's just doing uh, a mundane job. The second person uh, is like a career. He calls himself a builder. Okay, you can call yourself a manager. So he's building something, he's building a building. Okay, and uh, he's uh, getting good at, good at his, at his, at his skills. Okay, but he, it is a career for him. But the third person, it is a calling. Okay, for him, it's more than just a building. He is building the great cathedral for the Almighty God. So maybe some of us say, I, I don't build cathedral, Pastor. My job really very boring one. Huh? So in the same way, this third person, uh, if he has a change in perspective, even though he's not building a cathedral, he can be building a normal house. Okay, but if his perspective is, I'm not just building a building, a house, I'm building a beautiful home for God's creation, God's people. Okay, if his perspective is like that, any job can become a calling. So for him, he sends a higher purpose uh, a, 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 a make, to make a difference in the work that he does. So no matter what work you do, your perspective affects whether it's a job, is it just a career to bless yourself, to advance your own corporate ladder, or is it a calling? Is there something that the Lord is asking you to do uh, in your workplace, in your mission field, uh, to make a difference, to represent God? So we all know that we have a primary calling, which is to obey, uh, to repent and obey our Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a secondary calling that we often forget. Our secondary calling, which takes up a huge part of our life, is that God has called us to a certain task for the service of God and man. There is a calling. It is a, call, it's a secondary calling and we need to look out for that calling because we don't want to live our life unexamined. Okay, and uh, there's this verse in Romans 11.29. It says, The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does it mean? It means that God doesn't make a mistake. God is uh, setting you on a trajectory and a direction. He, he's not haphazard. One day he gives you this gift, one day he gives you this calling, then he changes along the way. No, no, no. He's building up a mo momentum in your life so that you can fulfill your calling. So he's giving you certain gifts in your life so that you are building on it, so that you're going somewhere to fulfill your calling. It might not be a pastor like me, uh, but he's giving you different things and learning through different jobs so that you're you are being honed in your gifting, you're being honed in what you're good at, uh, and, and you begin to make uh, a difference for Him in whatever arena you are at. Okay, so with all this um, training, with all these experiences, 
uh, you can be more impactful for what He wants you to do. So for myself, uh, you know, first 10 years, I was in a, in a, uh, in a small church. Okay, so I learned the things that I needed to manage a small church. Okay, then when I, the next 10 years, I was in a bigger church. Okay, I also learned many things that are helpful uh, in terms of management in a bigger church. And then now God has called me in my third phase of my life uh, to lead a small church. So without the first two, can I lead a small church? I can't. I can't. So I'm building on what I have learned along the way. So it's the same for you. Uh, for example, Pastor Kieran. Pastor Kieran, uh, first he was an engineer. Okay, if you remember. Then he became a missionary. He became a pastor. Now he's a corporate trainer. So has his calling changed? Uh, no. So the, his gifts of organization, systematic thinking, communication, uh, pastoral care, talking to people, has grown over the years so that now even as a corporate trainer, he's able to be missioner in all that he has learned and done. So careers may change, but the gifting and calling upon his life remains the same, which is to make an impact for God's kingdom wherever he has placed you. So your gifts and your calling are resided in you. So don't live life unexamined. Begin to ask God, hey God, what are you... What am I good at? What gifts have you given to me that you are developing and growing such that I can begin to be effective, more and more effective in my calling to bless and to make a difference wherever you have placed me. All right? And uh, there's also this verse in Acts 17, 26. He says, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allocated periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. Yet He's actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. So it's important to understand the office. You are there because God determined the allocated places. He didn't put you there by mistake, even if it's for a short time. Uh, you need to begin to see, hey, why am I here? What's the reason I'm here? Why are you putting me here? Why am I learning? So he has determined all those, and as you learn, as you, as you sense your gifting and your calling, you begin to understand that this ought to bring you closer to God and ought to help others move closer to God. All right? It's not just there for random purposes. It's there to, uh, as iron sharpen iron, it's for you to be uh, discerning of your relationship with God. All right? So that's, that's the purpose. So as you do that, you, 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 your calling becomes stronger. You know why you're there. You begin to make a difference uh, and you begin to represent God. All right? So some of us, maybe you are starting at a job. You're just doing it because you need the money, uh, passing the time. You, uh, maybe some of us are you're on career track. You roughly know what you're you are good at. You are progressing your career. Uh, but my exhortation is move beyond just a job, a career. Move towards a calling. Ask God, hey, why am I here? How am I representing you in the places that you have placed me? Okay, and that is the gospel. Next, second thing, how the gospel transforms us is my work is important, but it does not define me. Okay, very important. So if we look at how work, uh, the, the history of work, in the 17th or 18th century, that's where the period of enlightenment, so reason, logic was used to determine reality. Okay? So faith is, is, is considered, uh, religion is considered the arena of faith. So faith, religion shouldn't be in the public square. Okay? Only reason, uh, 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 facts should be in the public square. So your faith should keep one side. 
Don't bring out in the public square. Don't talk about it in your workplace. So work became devoid of spiritual calling. Work is just secular work. Just at work, just do your work. Okay, don't bring out religion, don't bring out faith. So there was, a, there was a disengagement. So work was no longer like Martin Luther says, calling. Uh, in the 17th century, everything is just doing it secular work. Okay, don't, don't mix up the two. And then in the 19th century onwards, the split became even greater. Not just that it didn't have anything to do with spiritual. In the 19th century, we had the rise of industrial revolution and capitalism. Okay, so people were going out to work. People were talking about how to, how to accomplish, self-actualize through their work. So work and career became very, very important. So the first thing when people see you, what do they ask? What do you do? Correct not? Why are they asking what do you do? Because straight away they can size up, okay, where are you? Are you in a successful career or not successful career? Okay, so, so we began to define ourselves by our accomplishment and our work. Uh, and not only do we do that, we begin to look down on spiritual career. Okay, so, wow, oh, you're a pastor, ah, poor thing. You must be as poor as a church mouse. Huh? Wow, this one is like the last category of job. So I met Christian ah, when their children say they want to go full-time, right? The parents, Christian parents are, no way. No way. That's the last thing you should do, Christian parents. Okay, why? Because spiritual vocation has become downgraded until like, it is like the last choice. So that's what's happening to us. Uh, even for Christians, we define our self-worth by the jobs that we do because we have uh, become assimilated to this whole culture. So, Eric Erickson talks about identity formation. He says, uh, you know, children, they get their identity from their family, family members. Uh, teenagers, who they get their identity from? From their friends, their peers. Okay, but when you reach young adult and adult, you get your identity from your work and your romantic relationships. Okay, and then when you're older, do you know where you get your identity from? Those are older. Oh, wow. Eric Erickson says you get identity from contribution to society. Okay, they want to do something meaningful. They want to give back. All right, so as adults, a big part of our identity comes from our work. Okay, we're all going for that. Work and whether you have a, a beautiful family. Okay, so if somebody finds a very important job, wow, their identity is formed very fast. So for example, if I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a banker, I'm in a very lucrative job, successful job, everybody says, wow, you are so successful. You have a beautiful family. Your job is lucrative. Immediately, your identity is formed very fast. So people there ask, who are you? I'm a, I'm a banker. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Okay, very confident in saying that. Very proud. So this is the identity that is formed very fast. It becomes who they are, part of who they are. But it's dangerous because they put all the eggs in this basket. Okay, I, this is who I am. One day if they are retrenched, one day if they are too sick to work, you know, uh, this title is taken out from them, right? They will feel lost. Okay, they will feel uh, useless. Uh, they, they get retrenched. That's why people commit suicide because, well, they used to be CEO, but now they cannot find a CEO job already. Okay, so this, this is what we call building our identity on a, on a tent. Nice tent, right? Nice, right? Nice, right, this tent. What, inside got bay, everything. Okay? Never seen this tent before, huh? But very nice tent. So a lot of people try to build their identity on a tent. Uh. Means uh, well, they make the tent very nice. Uh. Well, well, put this, uh, you know, got 
can play for your children, blah, 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 you know, look very nice. But if you think about it, right, how much effort do you want to put on making the tent nice? Ah? How much effort do you want to put? This tent won't last more than five years. Ah. What happened? It will break down, lah, correct? So yes, it's very nice, but you won't, you won't put a lot of effort or spend a lot on, on renovating this tent because this tent won't last. Ah. Okay? So sooner or later, it, it's going to give way. Okay, and uh, your, 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 whether it's your, your family, your career, your, it, it, some of these things is going to give way. So it's a very unstable foundation. But that's what people are doing. Okay, they're investing so much in the tent, not knowing that this tent is temporal. It, 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 it's going to fade away. It's not going to last. Okay, so it's dangerous, especially if you are in a good job. But then you say, Pastor, I'm not in a good job. Eh? My job, my job, you know, <laughs> doesn't define me. Right? I can quit any time, man. Yeah. Oh, that's also a problem. Because why? You see your job as not important. Okay? When you're supposed to represent God, when you're supposed to be image bearer, you, you think you're, 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 you find your identity in other things. Uh, in uh, playing games, uh, okay? Your family, uh, your leisure. Uh. Okay, other things, you'll find somewhere, uh, your identity somewhere else. Because your job is like, wow, low paying, uh, you know, low class. So you find identity somewhere else. Uh. But we all try to find identity. In the same, it's like a tent. It doesn't last. It's not strong. It gets blown away. It disintegrates. So in order to... to, to, to uh, so our job is both important. Okay, it's important. You must, you must give your best. But it doesn't define us. We must understand. The only thing that defines us, the only thing that defines us is our life in God. Okay, our life in God. Okay, uh, the Lord is your rock and your fortress. He is your deliverance. He is your God uh, whom you take refuge and shield. And He is your salvation and stronghold. So until and unless you put your identity in who God is in your life, it's always shaky. Because one day you'll be promoted, one day you'll be sacked. One day the boss like you, the other day the boss don't like you. It, it, it is unstable. Okay? So only when we put our, our, our identity and our faith in God can it be rock solid. And at the end of the day, we must put our identity, our first identity is that we are a beloved child of God. Nobody can take that away from you. Because uh, in John 10, 28, it says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So that is the rock-solid identity. You are in the Father's hand. Okay, you are one with God. No one can take that out from you. No matter what calamity you may face, in terms of family and your work, you must know that you are a beloved child of God. So as a, as a believer, our first identity, I'm a child of God. My second identity, I'm a husband to my wife. Third, I'm a father to my children. Okay? And then fourth, I'm a pastor. Okay, it's still part of my identity, but it's not the most important. So we need to make that difference uh, and, and, and ground ourselves uh, in who God is. All right? Uh, so so f- every one of us struggle with identity uh, when it comes to work. So for myself, uh, before I joined Maranatha in 20, 2019 to 2020, I was experiencing midlife crisis. How many have experienced midlife crisis you are? Wow, only Linda, eh, yeah. 
okay? Midlife crisis. Some of you got quarter life crisis. Means uh, 20, 30 years old already. Wow, what am I supposed to do? Ah, God, uh, I'm lost. Okay, but don't want to admit. Uh, huh? Okay, so we, we go through a different crisis. So my, for myself, I went through two years, midlife crisis. Means I'm thinking, okay, for the last 20 years of my life, do I still want to be a pastor? Because pastor got a lot of struggle, uh, not easy. Uh, a lot of challenges. So I'm thinking, wow, can I go skills future and uh, change career or not? So I actually went to E2I uh, to look for a coach, career coach. Eh. Yeah. I write my resume. I went to a career coach. It's free one. Uh. That's why I know. Thank God. Well, they're there. They will talk to you. Free one, free one. So government very good. Uh. Singapore government very good. Uh. Okay. So you go there and uh, they, 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 they process with you. you know? So I, I, I was trained in uh, IT. Hey, maybe I go back, go to IT line. You know? Blah, blah, blah. You know? So then I was experimenting with aquaponics. Maybe I can be a farmer. Yeah. So, so, but then at the back of my head, I think, wow, if I quit pastor and do all these things, uh, did I fail in my calling? You see? Because it's very real. Because your identity is, is, is so rooted in being a pastor. Ma. So to lose that, like, wow, lose face, you know. Wow, like, wow, cannot make it. Lah. How come? You give up halfway. So it affects our identity. So, so then, at that point, I realized, wow, my identity is not in a beloved child of God. Lah, definitely. My identity is my vocation my job, my work. So, is that the correct foundation of my identity? Then I realized, oh no, actually, I'm very afraid to lose my job title. So, so then I realized, hey, my identity is at stake. Okay, so different of us, we, we will go through different things. Okay, and, and we begin to realize, hey, we need to strip away all this worldly definition of success and begin to ask, hey, at the end of the day, who are you? Who are you? Okay, you must come back to the position that you are a beloved child of God. Alright, so this is something that we all go through. Okay, where is your identity? Your job is important. Do it well, but at the same time, don't let your job define you. Okay, third thing, how the gospel transforms us is my work engages me, but does not consume me. Okay? So there is a survey done. Uh, it says 79% of employees are not engaged at work. Means their body is there, but their heart somewhere else. 79, but very high, you know? Means you see their face, they're physically there, but their brain is somewhere else. Uh, shopping, la, eating. La. So they're not giving their best. They are, uh, you know? So uh, it's very sad. Okay, it's very sad. Uh, but it's true. Uh, but what does the Bible tell us? Hey, uh, you, you need to do your work heartily. Okay, you must engage. You must give your best because you are serving God, not man. You must engage. Okay? Uh, you must be there. You don't uh, passively, you know, uh, check out. What's that, what, what's that word? Uh? What, what? Quiet quitting. Uh, no quiet quitting. Uh, you must be there. Uh, your heart must be there. Okay? That is, that, is, that is the gospel. You must give your best because you are serving God, not man. Even though you hate your boss, you must be there for God. But that's not most of our problem. Most of the Singapore problem is not this. Uh. Most of the Singapore problem is the work consumes. us. Okay, means we have one plate, but your boss put two persons' food on your plate. Then the plate overflow, correct? That's our problem. Okay, uh, cut costs. So your plate becomes two person food. Well, how to eat, uh, boss? How to eat? So you cannot eat. Then you, wow. Because that's our problem. We burn out. 
Okay, that's what's happening uh, in our world today. And, and a lot of people actually use that as a badge of honour. Wow, I'm so busy. Every day, busy one. Uh. So busy, and I cannot come to church for a legitimate reason. Uh, yeah? okay? So, we are consumed by work. And uh, we burn out. Our health gets affected. And we are also afraid to quit because, you know, if we quit, then how? You know? Uh, so, so what does the gospel tell us? The gospel tells us we are not defined by our work. Uh, if, if work consumes us, our family life is affected, our personal life is affected, our ministry life is affected, then you may need to pluck up the courage to say, hey, that's enough. You know, it, it shouldn't take up all my life because it, it, it's not my identity, it shouldn't consume me. I need to look for something else. So when it comes to managing our time, a lot of people treat work, uh, treat the management of time as this, uh, as this. Oh, sorry, uh, back. A lot of people treat uh, as this compartmentalization of faith. So they treat their life like this. As long as I give Sunday morning to God, uh, okay, the rest you don't touch, uh, God. Don't touch, ah, uh, don't you dare touch. Okay, so a lot of people do like that. Yeah, I got go church what. Okay, uh, then they have time for other things. So this is, this is not the right uh, way to, to, to lead our lives. Oh, I've given two hours to church. Don't touch my other aspect. I've given two hours to serve. Okay, that's all. But the right way is uh, what we call integration. Okay, integration. Integration of faith means how do I put my spiritual life as the center and how does my spiritual life affect all aspects of my life? means how do I bring God to work? How do I bring God to my family? How do I bring God to my personal life? How do I bring God to my ministry? So all of life is spiritual. Everything you do is an act of worship. Okay? And that is uh, a better way to look at life, the better way to manage your time, so to speak. Uh, and, and as we do that, uh, we begin to see God working in every aspect of our life. Okay, and uh, we, we don't have to segregate in terms of hours uh, by putting God at the center. And there are also, it's not just work-life balance. Oh, I, 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 there's work-life balance. No, we have to understand seasons of life. Why seasons of life? It means there will be times in your life you need to put different emphasis. So when my kids were very, very young, uh, my wife, you know, she quit her job. She couldn't serve or so because as our servant, she has a whole three percent to church. Take bus, ah. go to church. Okay? Different season. So family become very big. But as they grow older, now we've got more time. She can go back to work, can serve in ministry. So we also need to understand season. We don't have to feel guilty. Wow, I'm not doing ministry. Eh. You know, I'm not, I'm not spending enough time at work. No, no, you must recognize different season. You need to give different priority to different things. Okay? And it's okay. But at the end of the day, you need to put God at the center. So understand seasons rather than just work-life balance. And God is, God is very gracious because He has given us a gift to combat the idolatry of work. A very precious gift. Just as God has given us a gift of tithing to combat the idolatry of money, He has given us a gift to combat uh, the idolatry of work. And what's that gift? What's that gift? Sabbath. Okay, he has given us the gift of Sabbath. But we, we don't like that gift, you know. We don't like it because it's messing around. 
Okay, it's a gift. Okay, if you don't want to give, you, you are the one who lose out. Uh, in Ezekiel says, they rejected my rules, did not walk in my stature, and they profaned my Sabbath, for their heart went after their idols. Okay, so if you're working so many hours that you got no time for Sabbath, okay, what is the idol in your life? Your idol is work. Okay, plain and simple. Okay, if you cannot do that, means work has become your idol, it has consumed you, it has become your identity. So work is a gift from God to disengage 24 hours, to spend time with your family, to rest, and to contemplate on God. Right? So that's the third impact of the gospel. The fourth impact of the gospel is this. The fourth impact of the gospel is my work should bring out the best in me, but it does not save me. So there is a, a survey done uh, in the US. It says 60 to 80% of Americans are in jobs that do not make much use of what they are fundamentally designed to do. Okay, so 60% to 80% of people are working in jobs that is actually not their strength and their gifting. They're just doing it. Okay, so when we are doing that, it violates the design of God in our life, the gifting of God in our life. So God has designed us in certain ways, but we are not using it. We don't care. We just uh, get, the pay, get the job done, get the pay. So that is violating the, the image of God that God has given to us and um, is violating how we were designed uh, by God. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says, Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracle of God's, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him bring glory and dominion forever and ever. So each of us have a gift. Okay? So if your gift is speaking, speak. If your gift is not speaking, don't speak. Huh? Some people not give, still speak, you know? So it's not good. Okay, so you need to know what is your gift. If your gift is in serving, in doing certain things, do it. So when we do it, we bring glory uh, and honor to God. Okay, so we need to know uh, our gifts. Okay, we need to know and move towards our gifts. So a lot of times uh, there is this thing called a job fit. Okay, job fit. But in Christianity, it's more than a job fit. It's called a calling fit. Okay, calling fit. Not just a job fit. Job fit is what people use. Uh, but a calling fit is, uh, is a better title for this slide. A calling fit means you need to know first your gifting, what you can do, what are your strengths, what are your abilities. Okay? Uh, secondly, you need to know your passion. What do you want? Okay, what do you want? What do you love to do? What do you have a burden for? Okay? Uh, what are the experiences that you have that, that forms your burden? Okay, um, and, and your gifting also uh, includes your personality. So these are the two. But there's a last circle. Sometimes you don't look at the last circle. Last circle is what? The shoot. So we think we are very good at something and we want to do something, but everybody thinks you are not good. Okay? So the shoot is, people must say, hey, you should do this. Ah, people affirm you, hey, you should do this because... You are making impact. You are very good at this. Okay, that's a shoot. Okay, as people affirm you, hey, you begin to understand more. Oh, yeah, this is something I can contribute. This is something I'm good at. This is something I can make impact. So when these three converge, uh, you get what I call calling fit. 
Uh, so you move closer to your calling, move closer to what God has called you to do. So as, as you grow in your career, as you grow in your... Uh, this tree will become clearer. Okay? And you try to move towards that because that honours honors God in how He has wired you. Okay? So, uh, Frederick, uh, this person called Frederick Butchner, okay? he says, the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Wow. Very high calling, uh, this one. Okay? Wow, deep hunger of the world. And your deep gladness meet that. Eh? Wow. Some of us look at this. I'm nowhere near that, Pastor. It's okay. Move closer. Okay? To this quote, this statement. Okay? Uh, and, and then you are able to uh, bring closer to where God has called you. Alright? So, as we do that, we are honouring God. And at the end of the day, we need to know that what we do on planet Earth is dress, dress rehearsal. Dress rehearsal means what? Actually, we are preparing for a new heaven and new earth. So all the skills and competencies we are here on Earth, at the end of the day, we want to hear God say this, uh, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I give you charge of many cities. Okay, that's the end goal. Because on earth, there's no utopia. Only at the end, that's where you've been faithful in little things, God will make you in charge of many things. And the last one, the last impact of the gospel is this. My work will recognize the worst, but believes the best. My work will recognize the worst, but believes the best. So the gospel is this. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? What does it tell us? God doesn't dismiss the fact that you're sinners. If you have sinned, He will call it a sin. Okay? Uh, and it's the same for us. When we're in the workplace, we are not naive. If the structure is imperfect, the people are imperfect, there are evil things going around. There are, are not just illegal things going around, there are immoral things that are going around. We must be able to call sin for sin. Wrong as wrong. Okay, we must be able to do that. Uh, that. That is the gospel. But at the same time, we don't just become jaded. You know, when you're in a workplace, or you become jaded, cynical. You know, that's bad. Okay, you become dead wood. You don't believe in any good progress and you just go there to retire and get your pay. That's not good. The gospel will tell you, hey, even though the environment is broken, we must believe the best. We must see God's transforming power and see what He can do through that space that you are in charge of. Okay, we must believe the best. But it's easier said than done. Okay, uh, I'm not sure, I'm sure you all have managed different people. So when you manage different people, what happened? Some people will give you headache, right? Because hey, I already tell you to do this uh, in a certain way uh, for the umpteen time, uh, but you still do it the same way. Correct or not? So you feel, wow. So the key when you look at the gospel, it's easy to reprimand them. Easy. But it's difficult to patiently coach them and believe the best for them. It's difficult. Okay, let me tell you, it's difficult. But that is what the gospel will encourage us and inspire us to do daily. I can see the, the thoughts, I can see the problem, but help me to see the goal in you. The goal. So that I can develop and be patiently coaching you to reach your full potential. It's not easy, but because Jesus did that for me, 
when I'm a sinner, I can do that for someone else. So that's how the gospel actually transforms us uh, and helps us to believe the best in someone else. I want to have the worship team to come. Uh, as we look at these five areas, as we look at these five areas of how the gospel transforms, it's just the beginning. It's not comprehensive. These are just five examples of how the gospel transforms our lives and our work. As you look at this, you know, maybe you ask, which area am I struggling with? Which, which area is uh, in my work is not transformed by the gospel? Is it, I don't see my work as a calling? Or is it work has defined me? Or is it work has consumed me? Or work is not bringing out the best in me? Or work is helping me to be cynical and not see the best in others? So allow the gospel to transform your heart and, and, and come back to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, because while I was still a sinner, you died for me. I can do the same for someone else. Hallelujah, Lord. While I was still a sinner, you called me a beloved child. I can anchor my identity in you. Hallelujah. So where are you? How is the gospel transforming your life? Even as we sing this song, uh, indeed you want to say, Lord, help us to know you. Help us to put our identity in you and you alone. Yeah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just take some time wherever you are just to thank God. for Jesus who died on the cross for you. Hallelujah. Let's give thanks for who He is in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That despite of your sins, despite who you are, Christ died for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we are accepted not because how good we are, what we have done, but purely by your grace and grace alone. How do we pray for the gospel to transform our hardened hearts, O Lord? That we'll find our self-worth, our joy, not in our accomplishment, not in our work, but in you and you alone, O oh Lord. Give us the joy of the Lord because it will be our strength in doing our work well for you to represent you wherever you have placed us, O oh Lord. Father, even as, as we allow the gospel to change our hearts, help us to do our work differently, O oh Lord. Help us to see the best in others, O oh Lord. Help us to rest in you, O Lord. Help us to represent you wherever you place us, O Lord. So anoint your servants 
this morning, Lord, that they will receive your gifts and your calling. Hallelujah, Lord. Your unique gifts and your calling. They'll begin to express it in ways that glorifies your name, O Lord. Because you have created each of us different, O Lord. Unique, O Lord. And we give thanks that you're moving us towards who you want us to become, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Who you want us to become so that we will be sons and daughters of the Most High God. As we move towards our calling, use us for your kingdom purpose, O Lord. Use us to make a difference wherever you have placed us, O Lord. So we surrender ourselves. We are your servants. Anoint us, O Lord. And whatever we do, help us to bring glory to your name, O Lord. So we give thanks. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. We hope that you are blessed. If you would like to go deeper with us, head over to our website at maranata.sg for more information.